Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Thursday Night Football Edition. The Patriots are squaring off against the Atlanta Falcons in just a few hours to kick off Week 11 in the National Football League. I am Alex Shane, here to break it down with you and all things Week 11 with my good buddy Rich Hill. Rich Hill, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. It is game day. Uh, I'm very excited for this. It's always nice to have a weekend, usually after a win, where you can just enjoy the games for what they are. Uh, And hopefully the Patriots will be able to leave this Thursday in a favorable mood. Because, Alec, uh, this is going to be a weird week. Have you looked at the schedule yet? I have, and it is going to be a weird week. However, I feel like every week is a weird week in 2021, and nothing makes any sense. But yeah, man, let's go around the league a little bit before we talk about the Pats-Falcons game. There's a couple games with definite AFC East implications. Obviously, the Dolphins and Jets are squaring off that vaunted Tua versus Joe Flacco matchup we've all Oof. come to expect, breaking off at 1 o'clock. There's also Colts playing the Bills. Probably a game with a much more uh, important narrative for the Patriots. Colts, Bills. Colts are a sneaky good team, it seems. I know they played the Jaguars last time. It wasn't like a, a close contest. But I feel like the Colts are kind of coming to their own and no one's paying attention to them. Totally. I mean, I, I think uh, Carson Wentz is flying super far below the radar because everyone thinks of him from that Eagles tenure where, you know, he was an MVP candidate and then just flamed out, lost his confidence, got traded to the Colts. Uh, and he started off pretty slowly this year. But you look at what he's been doing with that supporting cast. Like Michael Pittman is a good wide receiver. There's not a lot else from the receiver perspective for them. And so for him to be putting up the numbers that he's been doing, you know, above average sort of production with that cast, I think is a testament to his ability to produce in, you know, not a great circumstance. The real question comes from, can he keep up with Josh Allen and the Bills? And I I think you look at what happened last week where that last week was a chaos week. Last week, you had all of these major upsets or tie games or games that like you didn't expect a team to win by 20 points, but they did. I feel like this is going to be a week where things go back to what everyone was kind of expecting. Uh, I think we're overdue for a a normal, quiet, unexciting week. Uh, And and so that's why I think that the Bills will be able to beat the Colts pretty handily because I I think that the Bills are just a stronger team on paper. And that defense that Buffalo has is no joke. If that's the case, Rich Hill, and we are going to have some semblance of normalcy in the National Football League Week 11, what do you make of the late slate of games with the Bengals and the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Cowboys? Both teams coming off big wins. I'm talking to the Cowboys and the Chiefs here. The Raiders got slapped around by the Chiefs a little bit. The Bengals are kind of an up-and-down team. 
those two games could also have pretty big AFC implications, especially if the Chiefs beat the Cowboys here. Oh, totally. And you add in the Steelers on the road against the Chargers on Sunday night, and that late afternoon slate will do a lot to decide what's going on in the AFC playoff picture, where I think if, if my numbers are right, there's about 30 teams that have five or six wins. And so uh, the Bengals, Raiders, both at five and four. Steelers and Chargers both also have five wins. Whoever, you know, comes out victorious and hopefully fingers crossed without a tie in those two games will likely have a driver's seat spot for one of the wild card positions, likely jostling with the Patriots. Uh, whereas you have the Cowboys and Chiefs game where the Chiefs have been just pretty bad uh, this year. I mean, they, they have honestly one of the worst defenses in the league and Patrick Mahomes hasn't been able to hit all of those home run passes that he's been able to in the past. Uh, and they've just been experiencing some really bad luck. Going against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, and Dak is a player who, if he can get this statement win over the Chiefs, will launch himself to be the MVP favorite. And so this is a very strong Cowboys team against a, an inconsistent Chiefs team. If the Cowboys can win and sink the Chiefs to 6-5, and five, then both A, I, I think that the Chiefs' hopes of having any sort of home field advantage in the postseason is, is over, um, but also I think would really assert the Cowboys as one of the favorites in the NFC. There really is a disparity this year between the NFC and the AFC, and the Cowboys are one of the better teams in the league. It's at Arrowhead, so something to monitor there. The away game in Kansas City is always difficult. And usually, actually not usually, but sometimes when you come off such a beatdown, the way the Cowboys beat the Falcons up last week, it can give you a little sense of false confidence, or you take the game too lightly, or you just don't bounce back the right way. So very excited for that game. And I'm glad I'll be able to watch it, because as you mentioned, Rich, tonight is Patriots-Falcons. We have a mini bye week coming up this one. And on paper, I feel like the Patriots match up very well against this Falcons team. I know football pretty well. And looking through this roster, Brett and Rich, this podcast, I could name like five players on the team. Haven't heard anybody else. <laughs> their best their best player is Cordero Patterson. He's a game-time decision with an ankle injury. The Patriots are coming off two, three, four very big wins. The Falcons just got spanked by 40 points. The only thing that's giving me a little cause to trip up, Rich, is this is Thursday Night Football. It's always a disaster. Nothing makes any sense. Any team can win on Thursday night. Teams don't have enough time to prepare. Players are still banged up. So my big cause for concern here is will rookie Mac Jones be able to have a short week, come to prime time on the road, and take care of business? That is a big question. That is a big question. My gut says yes, because he's been built for this. You know, you don't go to Alabama and come to New England and not be ready for every single game. And so I would be shocked if he came out late a goose egg. Uh, and in particular, this doesn't seem to me to be a game where the Patriots need to have their offense to, like, just light it up. And so let, let's start with the, the Patriots defense against this Falcons offense, because this is a very bad Falcons offense. I mean, they, Matt Ryan, 36 years old, still their quarterback, still producing pretty well with a bunch of garbage uh, around him, let's be frank. Uh <laughs> Kyle Pitts, as you mentioned, they're rookie, 21 years old, fantastic. He's a tight end, but really he's utilized as like that Jimmy Graham-esque kind of a, a stretch, like big slot kind of a guy. 40 catches, 606 yards, and only one touchdown on the year. Uh, he's really eaten up a lot of what Julio Jones had been uh, eating up in the past as it relates to being Matt Ryan's go-to safety blanket. Uh, Big issue for the Falcons is that Calvin Ridley was supposed to be their number one receiver. He's out for mental health reasons, so best of luck to him. Uh, but the other player that has emerged as a key part of this Falcons offense is Cordell Patterson, a former Patriots player. 
who is likely to miss this game. Uh, he's been currently designated as a game time decision, but, you know, sounds pretty sketchy. He has a high ankle sprain. Those are usually a couple weeks. Uh, he has is the team leader in yards and in touchdowns. Seven touchdowns, 776 yards. He's having a career year. And so you're missing your number one receiver, your number one gadget player. And so the entire offense will go through Kyle Pitts. Uh, technically, Mike Davis is their top running back, but he is uh, not having a, a notable year by any measure. Uh, and then there's just not a lot else going around. So if you're Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, how do you defend this Falcons offense? Yeah, I mean, this is what you do for the Patriots, right? You take away their best weapon and make them beat you with your second, third, and fourth guy. And that goes doubly true here because the second, third, and fourth guy are who's what of nothing in the National Football League. I'm going to assume that Cordero Patterson is going to play. I agree with you. He probably won't make it. Again, a short week, ankle injuries. You don't want to exacerbate it, make it worse, and make him out for the rest of the year with it. But assuming he's going to play, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, this is a situation usually with a tight end. You put like a Kyle Duggar or an Adrian Phillips on him, and you chip him, and that should be enough. Uh, I still actually would go with Kyle Duggar and Phillips, but I would have a little help. Maybe a Joe John Williams, maybe Devin McCourty, maybe even like a I, – I wouldn't isolate J.C. Jackson on him just because of the size difference. I think Jackson is better used otherwise than elsewhere. But I think that Kyle Duggar and, and or in Phillips have shown enough that they can be the primary coverage guy as long as there is some kind of cornerback or safety help on him. So I double him with some combination of those guys, get him out of the game completely, force them to run the ball a lot because Cordell Patterson is kind of the running back. And I don't know really if they can get the ball done on the ground. So if you force them to run it, make it too inviting, and force them to do long, sustained drives, they don't have the talent level to really keep that up over and over again, and the Patriots are going to wear them down. So that's what I'd do. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that this is not a team that is super deep. They have three receivers that they kind of rotate. Uh, Zacchaeus is their like current air quote leader uh, as it relates to targets uh, as well as snap count. He's played a little over half the snaps. He's a like speedy slot guy. Uh, he's like five foot eight, hundred and like ninety pounds. He had seven targets last week, but only two catches against the Cowboys for twenty two yards. He is not someone who can carry this entire offense, uh, but he's likely someone that you would put either, you know, your Jalen Mills uh, or, or uh, perhaps your Miles Bryant in coverage with. Um, but when it comes to stopping this Falcons offense, there's really just two things. One, I would say that uh, I agree with you 100%. Kyle Duggar, he's my X factor. He's going to get that matchup against Kyle Pitts. In the past, you would have Patrick Chung, who would get you know the Travis Kelseys of the world in one-on-one -on -one sort of coverage abilities and just lock them out. I think this is Duggar's time to shine. I would not be shocked if the Patriots also dropped a linebacker into coverage, gave some bracket coverage, because why not? Uh, there's not a a lot of other players that you would need that for um, and also Matt Ryan's not the type to beat you with his legs with any real consistency so slowly squeeze the pocket make him uncomfortable force him to make a bad throw uh, or just you know make a dangerous throw you'll get that pressure anyway Barmore Judon they'll get home but you put some bracket coverage on Kyle Pitts and then uh, Adrian Phillips, I would put in coverage of Mike Davis because he is uh, Matt Ryan's number two target if both Ridley and Patterson are like not there. So you got Pitts uh, and Davis as the two engines. And then basically, hat on a hat, Patriots secondary is much more talented than this Falcons receiving core. And so 
doesn't really matter in my mind who you do the matchups with. I would say Jalen Mills gets a player that's primarily lining up in the slot. Uh, and, and then you can have J.C. Jackson likely in one-on-one coverage, either with Tajay Sharp or Russell Gage, because they're likely to be the number two receiver out there. Um, but in reality, the Patriots should smother these receivers, and all the focus should be on Pitts. So, Rich, you see more of a straight man coverage as opposed to kind of a man zone mix they've shown in the past where you definitely sign Kyle Duggar to to Pitts and then otherwise it's kind of a zone and whoever's in the area gets covered? Or do you see a guy, the guy staying with one receiver and the entire game, no where they line up, they follow him around? Yeah, I mean, the Patriots defense has been doing much better as of late leaning on that zone defense. I think they've been using it for the majority of their coverage snaps. Uh, the issue in my mind is that Matt Ryan's too smart of a quarterback to really, you know, get him with any of these sort of disguises that you might have been able to get some of the younger quarterbacks with. And so it would only work for so long. And so that's why I think uh, Pitts, who is one of the best tight ends in the league at beating man coverage, uh, I don't think he should ever be allowed to be in isolation. Uh, but he also can definitely sit down in the middle of the the zone you don't want to have a linebacker stuck on him in any sort of coverage one-on-one or he will beat you every single time and so there has to be some sort of man element there has to be also you know some sort of zone because that's where the Patriots have thrived Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of a combination uh, where you know you make sure that Pitts gets smothered but for the other players you can kind of make a snap-by-snap sort of decision based off of personnel. Now, Rich, assuming, let's just say Cordero Patterson does play tonight. He is their gadget player. He's their best player. He's leading, as you mentioned, yards, touchdowns, everything. Their offense kind of runs through him. They finally figured out how to use him effectively. It only took, what, eight years in the NFL to do it. (laughs) Fun to watch. If you're going to attack Cordero Patterson, you've kind of got Kyle Duggar and whoever else on pits. Patterson's your other focus. He's too fast for a linebacker, so you can't really have a linebacker on him. But he's in the backfield. You need to make sure he's not getting yards after the catch or yards after the carry. Excuse me. What are you doing? You're kind of flying him with like a Jawan Bentley and keeping a cornerback up there like a Jawan Williams for, for a bigger body? Or are you kind of going to let him read and react? How are you going to, how are you going to handle Patterson if he plays tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's where Adrian Phillips needs to come in. Uh, fortunately, uh, the way that the Falcons operate is that like you're not likely to get too many of those multiple running back sets. Obviously, Patterson does get some snaps on the outside, and yes, the Falcons use a fullback. Uh, but I, I think that more likely than not, if Patterson's on the field, then the Patriots can you know generally shift their focus. Adrian Phillips can be asked to, to cover him outside. He is not that great of a receiver, if, if like that makes sense. You know, he, he's definitely been super productive, and they found a way to get him the ball uh, with his hands and uh, ball into his hands while he's in space. Um, but he's also not getting it deep. You know, like he's getting the ball three, four yards down the field and just making a lot of noise with yards after the catch, which is great. That's where he's best, and that's just smart utility of him. Um, but it's not like you need to put a J.C. Jackson in coverage of Cordero Patterson because he's not being targeted down the field. He's just being given the ball with space to make someone miss in the open field. And so that's why you've got to put a defensive back in coverage on him, uh, where like that's where Adrian Phillips' strength really is, is that you, know, you don't lose a lot by having him on the field as it relates to being a scout run defense. Uh, and then you have a flexible enough player that can cover uh, any real running back uh, as a receiver other than maybe a couple. 
Speaking of running backs, Rich Hill, Damien Harris should play tonight. He's cleared percussion protocol. He's one of the 25,000 questionable Patriots tonight. <laughs> Classic Belichick injury report. It's kind of what he does. has the entire team looks questionable. Can't see why he wouldn't go. If he can't, for whatever reason, I'm okay with it because Ramondre Stevenson had a beast of a game against Cleveland. I think the running game is going to be very important tonight because, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, I don't think this is the kind of game where the offense needs to be firing on all cylinders to put points up. I don't think Mac Jones has 20 tricks out of his hat. I think just a smart, efficient offense, easy to call plays, a better talented team can just outmuscle a lesser talented team. And I'm hoping that the running backs, all three of them, or even all four of them, if J.J. Taylor gets involved, Bolden, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, J.J. Taylor, have a big game this Thursday and really, really slow the pace of the game down. Tie that Falcons defense out, put them away early. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, I think that uh, what the Patriots should and will likely do is just grind out this Falcons team. Uh, there, I think there is definitely some good players out there. I think Deion Jones is one of the best linebackers in the league. AJ Terrell is playing extraordinarily well at cornerback. Grady Jarrett is one of the best defensive interior tackles that you're going to find anywhere. Um, but even with that sort of capability at each level. There's not enough to make you say, I need to avoid this personnel group in its entirety. So you look at both of their linebackers, when you look at Deion Jones uh, and then Oluwakin, who's, you know, both of them play almost every single snap, uh, but they're both sub 230 pound players. They are a very, very light linebacker core, and the way that they succeed is with their speed and their ability to go sideline to sideline. And so, whereas I don't think the Patriots are necessarily going to have as much space to operate using their running backs as receivers there will be plenty of opportunities to just grind them out. I would not be surprised if this was a game where the Patriots operated with six offensive linemen more often than not when the game matters uh, and just run Ramondre Stevenson at 230 pounds, run Damian Harris just up the gut over and over and over again away from Grady Jarrett and making sure that you have your just superior offensive linemen wear down this team because this is, a, this is not a Falcons defense that's built to stop the run. By any measure, uh, I, I know that they've had like some success against it, but that like a lot of it is game script related. This is a bad Falcons defense. This is a team that you know the games can like either get a little bit out of hand, or you know it's it's a team like they, they're just not built to stops a team like the Patriots that can grind it out this way. And so, if I'm the Patriots, if I'm Josh McDaniels, obviously Mac Jones is gonna have to take some attempts. But I think that this will be a real case of the Patriots winning a relatively low-scoring affair in a potentially uh, just grinded-out sort of a fashion. Along the lines of grinding and outreach, Hill, what do you think the Patriots will do with Owenu, Michael Owenu? He's kind of the odd man out, amazingly enough, based on Trent Brown's return. He's still the best line on the team. He's had a lot of six uh, linemen packages. Is Trent Brown the extra tight end? Is Owenu the extra tight end? What are they going to do with him tonight, you think? Yeah, that's a great question. So the explanation that Bill Belichick gave as to why Onwenu was the sixth offensive lineman and Trent Brown was the starter is that Brown was coming back uh, from his injury and they weren't expecting him to be a full-time player anyways. And so they liked having the opportunity to bring in Onwenu off the bench on a drive where Trent Brown was out there and then also have the ability to sub Onwenu in on other downs. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept doing that. I, I think that there is an inclination from Belichick and company to say uh, we want to ride with the veteran. And honestly, Trent Brown played so well that it's hard to, to blame them with that decision. And then on the other side of the, the offensive line, Karras has really helped settle down the left side of the line and give Mac Jones a lot of time. And so I don't think that there's really 
uh, a huge need to shake it up from that perspective. But that said, Onwenu is too good to just let sit on the bench all the time, despite the fact that the Patriots seem to do that regularly with Uche, with Winovich. Uh, there's something about these Michigan second-year players that the Patriots just decide that they don't need to give them a bigger role. Uh, but I would love to see Onwenu play at like a fullback or something like that. Just give the Patriots additional beef on the offensive line because this is not a Falcons team that can handle it. It is not. I'm always good for extra beef in all aspect of life, Rich. Um, <laughs> however, uh, that said, I'd say the least beefy player I want to bring up and what we're talking about offensive lines and moving the ball is a guy you mentioned prior to starting recording this podcast, Jonu Smith. Yep. Been out for a while. In terms of, he, I think, I believe, I could be wrong in terms of my memory being fuzzy, but he was kind of the first big tight end free agent acquisition they made. He was the first guy off the bench, so to speak, in the free agent frenzy of the offseason. And he hasn't, he's fine. Hasn't really done much to really warrant everyone turning heads. Hunter Henry's been the superior tight end by far. He leads the league in tight end touchdowns, if I remember correctly. He's really been the guy. Joni Smith hasn't had kind of a breakout game yet. He hasn't taken over. He hasn't had a memorable stat line. Do you see this matchup against the Falcons as a good chance for him to get off the schneid? Is it going to be more of the same for him? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Smith has been dealing with his shoulder injuries. So that's why he's been losing playing time. And also, you know, he started off with a few major mistakes at the beginning of the year. A lot of turning the ball over, a lot of not being the player that the Patriots needed him to be. And Henry took advantage of those opportunities that he was given, uh, and he earned more playing time. So, like, part of it is situation, part of it is just another player doing better. That said, the Patriots have, you know, a limited time to keep someone in the doghouse, right? Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, both players that absolutely deserved to be in the doghouse for decisions that they've made so far this year are back. It's fine. They're going to continue to contribute. I think that when Johnny Smith is healthy, he gives the Patriots an added dimension as both a blocking tight end as well as a receiver out in space. And I think prior to him suffering his shoulder injury, he was getting involved in that way. Uh, and so I would love to see if he's able to participate for him to do that again here. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that this is the game for Johnny Smith to break out. Uh, I do think that what we can expect is both Harris and Stevenson to have productive days out there. I think Kendrick Bourne, who is really emerging as one of the, the top receivers for the Patriots, can have another consistent day. But my offensive X factor is actually going to be Hunter Henry uh, because of what I think for the offensive game plan. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to want to run the ball a lot, and that's where Henry will get a lot of opportunities if Smith is unavailable to go. Uh, and so he'll have to make his blocks. He should be able to win a lot of these blocks against this Falcons defense. Also, he is the Patriots' red zone target. As you said, he does lead the league in tight end touchdowns, uh, receiving touchdowns with seven. And he is who Mac Jones continues to turn to in the red zone. And so my gut is that, that like, maybe Henry's not going to put up, like, 100 yards and two touchdowns in a Gronkowski-like effort. But I would not be shocked if his presence on the field will allow and force the Falcons to get a little bit heavier uh, and then he'll be able to capitalize with a couple big plays up the seam this week, uh, likely in coverage with like Deion Jones. Um, but I, I think that expecting Henry to get, you know, 60 yards and a score uh, with a few really good blocks in the running game uh, will be the big difference for New England. All for that. And I think the reason or one of the reasons I should say where Henry won't have like a 100 yard day is because I think the field position game is going to heavily favor New England which is I am actually going with Gunnar Oshevsky as my X-Factor. And it was like a special that. teams X-Factor. But it should be back. 
back as a punt and kick returner. Uh, I think he should set the Pats up with a couple of short fields. And if it's a situation where the Patriots can pin the Falcons back deep, get them to do a three and out, they punt it, start the ball at the 40 or the 50, a couple drives like that can really break a defense's back. They got to put the team out, go back out there after a very short break, and give up two back-to-back scores, say. So the Patriots can win the field position with some good returns by Moshevsky. I think they should be in really good shape. Oh, interesting. Well, I like that. I think that the Patriots special teams will be big here. They obviously are year in, year out, one of the best units in the entire league. Uh, and then you look at this Falcons special teams unit, and they're pretty good. They, they've been very inconsistent. They've been uh, not good. So I, I think that that's a good case of where the Patriots can get some of those hidden yards and you know separate from the Falcons. And so with that in mind, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this matchup, or should we go into predictions? Let us go directly into predictions, good buddy, because it is Thursday. It's a short week. No point belaboring the point. Uh, this makes it easy for the first time, I think. This is the first time we've both picked different teams to win. And no, Miami. Anyway, okay. <laughs> you won. Pick the Patriots winning 24-21. I had the, Patriots, the Browns winning 27-17. Obviously, you get the first nod there. So Patriots at Atlanta tonight, 8.20 p.m. Who you got? Yeah. Uh I feel very comfortable going with the Patriots here, which I really hope doesn't come back to bite us. Um, I think that this is a Falcons team that is not good on either offense or defense in its current state, and this is a Patriots team that is ascending. Uh, I think that the Patriots will come out, grind out the clock, uh, and still manage to be super efficient while on offense and be able to win this game to the tune of 31-17. to 31-17. to 17. Okay, I like that. If this game was taking place Sunday, 1-4, 8 o'clock, anytime on Sunday, even Monday night, I'd be much more confident about the win. But as I've seen year and year again, nothing on the Thursday night game makes any sense. It just isn't a good product through nobody's fault. It's just too early to play a football game after you play on Sunday. That said, I still say the Patriots win. They're just too talented a team. And as you mentioned, the Falcons just, just aren't good. They have a home field advantage, sure, and – it's a primetime game, and Matt Ryan is more experienced in primetime games, but I don't think that really matters. I also feel like, Rich, it's going to sound ridiculous, but with the upcoming slate of games, you got two against the Bills, they got the Titans, they got the Colts. Those games could go either way. So this isn't like a must-win game, but it's a really, really need-to-win game. I think the Patriots know that, position themselves better for this last stretch of the season as the playoff book continues, and they're always better in the more important games so I see the Patriots take this one in a lower score than you have, because I do agree it's going to be kind of a low-scoring, kind of grinded-out game. I say 24-13. to 13. Patriots take this one. Nice. Well, hopefully we're both right and that the Patriots are able to win this one in comfortable fashion. Uh, it would be great for them to move to 7-4 and four and have a five-game winning streak in six out of the past seven. Alec, we will recap this all next week, hopefully with some good news. Until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later, man.